I am so blessed to be here today. Uh, it's exciting to see some new faces that we've not seen before, so I do want to introduce myself. Uh, my name is Carol Post, and we have been part of the Relevant family for about three years now. And in January, God set us out on a new journey to uh, head toward the mission field in the Czech Republic. So hopefully by next January, we are going to be moving to Prague and ministering there with an international church plant. And uh, kind of similar to here, it's, it meets in a, a hotel lobby, and we're just excited to see what God's doing. But I'm so excited and just so blessed to be able to be here and worship with our church family today. You know, there's just something about when you get to experience God's presence with people who know you, who have been through some stuff with you. And so um, thankful for that. I'm really excited about the word that I feel like God has put on my heart and I think that it is a word that is specifically meant for someone today, which um, may be a little uncomfortable because it's not a fun, fluffy topic. I'm going to be talking about boiling point, which is probably timely because how many of you guys are probably a little warm right now sitting in here? Anybody getting a little? That's good. We've added this for effect today, so you can really grasp what, what we're saying. Um, but just, you know, as I've been going through life and as... The Lord has continued to grow me and stretch me because I by no means have it all figured out. He's taught me that there are some situations that I can tend to always react to the exact same way. And sometimes it's frustrating because I want God to take me out of those situations and I want him to make those things stop happening. And the reason that he doesn't is because there's something waiting on the other side if we push through. And I don't think that's a word just for me. I believe that that's a word for this specific body. I think that is a specific word for someone who's sitting in here, maybe many people sitting in here today, that God is saying that thing that you keep having to face over and over again, you're going to keep facing it until you let me work through you to help you get to the other side because there's something good waiting there. So he loves you too much to let you walk away from it and give up. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and open up in a word of prayer, a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into God's word. Lord, I thank you for my family here today. I thank you, God, for your presence. You are already here. God, you are already speaking to hearts. Lord, through worship, God, we have entered into your presence. And Lord, I pray that, that the words that I speak, God, that they would be your words. Lord, my, my message that you've given me, God, I know it is a general message but I know through the power of your Holy Spirit that you are going to apply it specifically to the hearts and lives of people sitting in here today. And you're going to do that because you love them, because you have a plan for them, and because you care too much about, about what that plan means to let them throw in the towel. So bless your word today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been reading, well, I have a book that I read, and I've got a quote up here. You want to go to that next slide? It's from this book, and it's called 211 degrees, um, 212 degrees, the extra degree. And this is the quote. It says, at 211 degrees, water is hot, and at 212 degrees, it boils. And with boiling water comes steam, and steam can power a locomotive. Isn't that awesome to think about? Just that one little degree makes all the difference. There's power when something hits its boiling point. When something reaches its boiling point, it has the power to explode. And the outcome of that explosion can have terrible effects 
or it can have amazing effects. And so I think God wants us to understand that we don't have to be afraid of the explosion. He just wants us to allow him to use the way that we channel that explosion to accomplish good things instead of using that and letting our flesh use it to destroy things, right? So it's about using the reaction to change things for the better. Now, the, the start of this message in my heart was probably about six weeks ago, a month and a half ago, when I really felt that this message was starting to stir And I was going through a time of discouragement. I was going through a time of just feeling really negative and feeling really sorrowful. And I'd kind of gotten to that point where I had forgotten what it felt like to have the joy and the freedom that God wanted to give me in my life. I don't know if anybody's ever been there. And I've been a Christian a long time, so I know what I'm supposed to do, but I was struggling doing it. Um, it seemed like every, every night when I went to bed, there was this just heaviness that I felt, like depression and negativity. And then I'd wake up, and sometimes I hated waking up in the morning because it was there, like just waiting for me to wake up. And, and I carried that heaviness through me or through the day. You know, it was during that time that I would often just start crying at the drop of a hat. And some of you guys are going, well, that's a girly thing. And maybe it is, but as a believer, I knew it wasn't, it wasn't how God wanted me to live I knew something was wrong, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And it was a very dark and hard place to be. And so it was during this time that I felt like just pressure from every point, and I didn't know what to do with it, and it was overtaking me. Thankfully, instead of throwing in the towel and giving up, I chose to push through. And it wasn't easy, but I decided that my faith in God and the plans that he had were too important for me to just sit and, you know, wallow in self-pity and just be beat down by it. And so what I chose to do was I chose to um, meet up with a friend, a, a godly Christian woman that I trust, and I was very vulnerable with her. Anybody uncomfortable when you have to, like, really share your feelings? Am I the only one? Okay, maybe a few of you are honest, which I like that, because I asked you if you were uncomfortable sharing your feelings, and you raised your hand, which was a way of sharing your feelings. So, see, we're already making progress here. Um, But anyway, so I was vulnerable with her, and then she and I just prayed. We pushed through, cried out to God. And then the next day, I didn't just go, okay, well, that was just yesterday, and, and it's easy, and I'm all fixed, because it takes time. If you are in that place of darkness or heaviness or a place where you are in constant anger and strife, sometimes God will heal you like that, and sometimes it's a process. So I continue to dig into God's Word, and I continue to spend time praying, and I continued pushing out those negative thoughts when they came. And I can honestly say that I walk daily now in a place of joy and peace that I have not experienced in a very long time. And sometimes what I have to say, sometimes I have to say out loud when that negative thought comes, whatever it is, you're not going to make it. It's just look at how bad your day's going already. Look at this. I have to say, Jesus, I can't, I can't handle this, but I need you to take this. I know you can. I need you to take this. And I say it out loud. And amazingly... God is who he says he is, and he will fight our battles, and I experience freedom. And isn't it awesome to know that the God that we love, the God that we sing worship songs to, that he cares about us individually enough to take over those battles for us, to continue to fight on our behalf? I'm so thankful for that. And so I don't think that I'm the only person who goes through these times. I don't think I'm the only one who's experienced this. 
I'm not the only one who has faced a situation where you feel like the heat is rising and something is about to boil over. And whether it's in our church or in our homes or in our individual lives, I believe that Christians will face several boiling point situations throughout life. We just will because we're human. So if you're trying to avoid ever having to face conflict where you get uncomfortable and you have to make a decision, it's not going to happen. As long as you're human, as long as you've got breath in your lungs, you're going to have those boiling point moments. But as the body of Christ, we need to be equipped to address these areas and understand that God has not called us to be afraid of situations that raise our blood pressure. Do you guys understand what I just said? We are not called to sit down and be afraid to to step into uncomfortable situations. He is going to equip us. He needs to equip us. We need to be prepared and have the tools and weapons in order to push through. And so I believe that's what he's doing today through this message. He's called us higher to be agents of change, and he has given us his spirit to confront things that need to be made right through his power and not through our flesh. Has anyone in here ever faced a boiling point in their flesh? What's that look like? Is it pretty? Anybody ever said something that they really wish they could take back or done something that they really wish that they hadn't done? When we go with our gut reaction in our flesh, the outcome can have damaging effects, right? When our gut reaction to a situation is sometimes yelling or or throwing our hands up or walking away or quitting our job, that outcome can do more damage than good. But when we handle conflicts, stress, and harmful situations through biblical principles, then we can disarm the enemy. And then those things that we address and push through, we actually have the power to bring good and health and growth to the church, to our family, and to our personal lives. So that explosion is not the bad thing. It's what we do with it. Am I going to answer this situation in my flesh, or am I going to deal with this situation through the Spirit? Right? Steam can power a locomotion or a locomotive when it explodes. When God's power explodes in our lives, there is no limit to the things that can be accomplished. So before we get started, I want all of us to take a minute to identify what makes your blood boil. What is your trigger point? And I actually, I'm going to ask for a little bit of participation because you're all real quiet. So does anybody want to be honest and tell me a, something that just gets on your last nerve that gets you exploded real quick? Is your hand going up? My kid's not listening. That doesn't bother anyone else. Oh, and you don't even have kids. You are my kid. <laughs> so are, my kid's not listening. It's like that, isn't it? Anybody else? Okay. Do you ever honk at them and just like motion, like, I see you, put your phone down. Usually they're the ones who are going, like sitting at the stoplight five 10 seconds after it's turned green because they're, you know, they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. So anybody else? One more? Jody. So, so that is probably a little bit of a difference between millennials and then the older generations is that this, the younger ones don't want to talk on the phone. They'll text you, but they, you call them, you know, they've got their phone, right? Because they answered the text, but they don't answer the phone. So 
My tr- I, I have some trigger points, but I, I'm going to tell you the one that I know because there are some, some triggers. There's about a little process I can usually see before I reach my boiling point, and maybe some of you can relate to this. But I, the, the thing is that we have to learn, and I think this is our first um, fill in the blank there. We have to, the first step to handling our boiling points better is identifying the triggers, right? If we don't really know what gets us there, then it's hard to work through the process of overcoming it or handling it in a Christ-like way. And so I found that I reach my boiling point faster when there are a few triggers present, and it almost always starts with this. I take on too many things. And usually it comes from a good place. I want to be helpful, and I, I want to be reliable. And so people will ask me to do things, and I'll say yes and yes and yes when sometimes I need to be saying no. And so I start out like really strong in the Lord and I'm serving God and, and I'm saying yes because I'm, I'm being a good Christian. And before I know it, I've got too much on my plate. And so the next thing I do then is I forget that God has, first of all, not called me to carry all that. But second of all, he's told me that I'm not supposed to be carrying it on my own, especially if it's something that I'm doing for the glory of him. But he actually is supposed to carry me. But I decide that I'm superwoman and the Lone Ranger And I kind of get this martyr mentality, and I'll tell everybody, you know, I'm so busy and I'm so overwhelmed. And so this trigger of saying yes then has caused me to feel really stressed out, and I'm not relying on God anymore. I'm feeling like it's all on me. And then after that, I start thinking these negative thoughts, and it's like this downward spiral. I just got too much to do. I can't. Why doesn't anybody else step up? Why doesn't, and whatever it is, but it just like, and it's, I could look just as calm as can be on the outside. I can look like I've got it all together, but in here, there's a whole lot going on, (laughs) and before I know it, I am at my meltdown point. My daughter has a friend that calls this getting into her head too much, and I can definitely get inside my head too much, and so that then will often trigger my boiling point. Now, that's my path, but chances are, if I asked you, as I did some of you, we all have a different thing that gets us there. And I want us to really look at what those things are and not just like blow off this portion of of the message because it's important. Because a lot of us have spent a long time telling people things like, that's just how I am. I've just, you know, I came from a family, fill in the blank. I grew up, fill in the blank. And we kind of give ourselves this excuse that it's okay, I don't have to change anything the way I react to anything because that's just how I am. But when we refuse to examine it, then we're never going to work through the process where we get a better outcome. So um, the first step to handling our boiling points is identifying the triggers. And if you look at what Paul told the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 13.5, this is what he said. He said, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So even to the early believers, Paul said, examine yourself. Look closely at that. And when we do that, when we take that time to be introspective and we pray and we ask God, you know, show me my motives, Lord. Show me my attitudes, God. Show me those things that are in me that shouldn't be there. When we do that, if anything besides the character of Christ comes out, then we should start making a change because you're not going to be effective in the body of Christ. You're not going to be effective in the roles that God has given you, in your family, in your workplace, as a believer, if your character at the heart of who you are is not Christ-like. Even what we did today, 
right? The, the Lord's Supper in uh, Corinthians, Paul told the church this. He said, prior to participating in the Lord's Supper, each one must examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. And sometimes we fail to do that. I'll admit it. We here at Relevant Faith, the first Sunday of every month, we take communion together. And sometimes we can get this attitude of, you know what, okay, I'm doing this communion, and Pastor John led, and okay, I'm going to take the wafer, and I'm going to drink the cup. But Paul told the early believers, which I believe was a blueprint for the church to come, that we were supposed to examine ourselves. Do we really understand what Jesus did for us on the cross? Do we really understand that, that when we drink the cup, we are saying, yes, Lord, I will drink the cup that you drank. What, what was in the cup that Jesus drank? There was suffering, right? It wasn't easy. There were trials. But if we want to partake in the resurrection power of Jesus, then we have to take, partake of the cup. So we need to examine ourselves before we do that. The word used here in the original Greek is piaira, which was translated as test or to make proof. So when we're being told to examine ourselves, say, test yourself. Um, examination means putting something to the test, to look deeper past the symptoms. And you guys know what I'm talking about here, especially if you have kids. There's one way you can examine something, and then there's a way to really examine something. Like if I ask my kids, is your room clean? Usually they'll say, yeah, my room's clean. And then I go upstairs, and I lift up the blanket, and underneath their bed is where everything's been shoved in. As Christians, sometimes we want to do that when God tells us to examine ourselves. Yep, I look real quick, you know, open the door, close it real quick. I'm good, God. I'm clean. But God say, no, examine yourself. Look past the symptoms. And what are the symptoms? Well, if we're at our boiling point, often our symptoms are our hurt feelings or our symptoms are anxiety. Our symptoms are lashing out at people or anger. And a lot of times it's really hard to get past that to the, the step of examining our hearts because those things can put a block that it's just hard to see past. I have trouble praying when I am hurt. I have trouble praying when I feel depressed. But I still do it because it has never failed me if I push through and I continue and I say, God, I know that this feeling that I have is not the outcome you want me to have. If I push through and examine myself, he is always faithful. So that's what they're saying in this word is that we have to look deep within ourselves, test our motives, our attitudes, and our shortcomings. In Psalms 139, 23 through 24, David puts it this way. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David was the anointed king. But even David knew that there were times, many times, if you read through Psalms and you read the story of David, there were many times when his attitudes and motives were not Christ-like. And he knew that if he were to truly experience the everlasting life that God had for him, then he needed to allow the light of God to shine into his heart, into those areas that are uncomfortable, into those areas that are just how he was, and ask him, reveal those things and change them. For many of us, though, that's a very uncomfortable feeling, isn't it? We don't like people to look at us too closely, let alone God. Although, isn't it funny? Because God already can see everything. He knows what's in there. He just is honored, and he can work with it when we reveal it to him. But it's uncomfortable for us, and I think the reason that we would rather deal with the symptoms 
instead of the cause is because secretly we're afraid that we might be part of the problem. Isn't it easier to say, they hurt my feelings, than to say, well, I get my feelings hurt pretty easily. I wonder why that is. Maybe it's me and not them. I don't like to say that. That's uncomfortable. Or, you know, they made me angry, but maybe there's something in that situation that I did wrong, and I'm getting angry, but it's not really their fault. We cannot skip the step of examination if we truly want to be free from negative outcomes of our reactions to the boiling point. But once we know the path that takes us to that point, then we can begin learning to process our reaction in a way that will bring life and good instead of destruction. And I don't know about you, but I want to get there. I want when I am thrust into a situation to be the person that people say, wow, you handled that so well. And at the end of the the day, even though it was uncomfortable, I'm so glad we went through that because now look at how much better we are. I want to be that person. I don't want to be the person that people are afraid to get upset because they don't know how I'm going to react. And hopefully, as Christians, you don't either. So how many of you realize, though, that it is okay to reach a boiling point? It's all right to get mad. Sometimes we can feel guilty and feel ashamed of getting mad, and that's usually because we've said or done something in our anger at one point that we'd really kind of forget. You know, how many of you maybe even on your way here today could say, I reached my boiling point before I sat in this chair. You know, maybe you were trying to get the kids out the door and they wouldn't get their shoes on, and you're like, why can't you be ready when it's time to go? Or maybe you were on your way here and you got behind that slow driver. Let me tell you, a lot of mornings for us, I am like always mad before we leave the house because I tell them before I get in the shower, they have like an hour till it's time to go, and then I tell them as I'm like, blow dry my hair. I try to give them like the two-minute warnings, and it doesn't matter. They are always late. They are always like, oh, we're leaving now? But today, thank you, Jesus. I said, God, please don't let me get mad before I have to go (laughs) preach on Boiling Point. Today, my kids were so good. Owen and Aiden, you guys did awesome today. So sometimes we don't want to, um, we think it's bad to get to that boiling point because we're embarrassed. But being angry and reaching that that feeling of pressure is not a bad thing. Even Jesus had things that made his blood boil. Do you remember his response to the people who were exchanging money in the temple and selling the animals for sacrifice? In Matthew 21, 12 through 13, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Now, I don't know about you, but when I picture Jesus being upset, I don't think that he was just calm in the midst of that. I don't think he went in and was like, "Uh, excuse me, do you think you could take your stuff and go? I don't know if you've read this in the Bible, but it says that this should be a house of prayer. I don't think he just bumped the table. I think he was angry. And I think he went in and he showed that he was angry. And I think he flipped the tables. So if Jesus gets angry, then we are not sinning when we reach a boiling point and get angry. In Mark, Jesus um, was asking the religious leaders if it was okay to heal a person on the Sabbath day. And when they would not answer, we are told that he looked around at them with anger. And then he healed the man. Did you put that one up there? So we know that 
that he was angry. I guess it's a, yeah, it's right up there. He looked around at them in anger. So Jesus got angry. We know that he reached a boiling point, but in his anger, he never sinned. And we find this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Praise the Lord. We don't have someone who is far away, who has never experienced what we've experienced. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And in the same way, God's word tells us that the sin is not in being angry or in reaching our boiling point. In Ephesians chapter 4, 26, it says, in your anger, do not sin. So that tells us that even as believers, we are going to get angry sometime, but we have the potential to do that and still maintain our Christian witness. You can do that. I can do that. The sin is the way we process that feeling. Do we use that explosive power to get even, to show them who's boss, to say, well, you know, you're really going to get it now. I've been holding out, but now let me tell you what I really think about you. Is that how we deal with that anger? Or do we use it to spiral into a dark pit? Maybe it's not anger, but maybe it's too much pressure. And instead of pushing through, we just allow it to keep getting us down lower and lower. And we kind of jump off this, this cliff into darkness. And we feel like, well, you know, I just can't take it anymore. Or do we allow that to get us right, a holy anger, righteously mad, mad at the devil and say, no, I'm going to use this feeling that I feel to keep pushing through because I know that God's got something on the other side for me. Someone once said this, and this is in your notes, and I really want you to write it down. Don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. Don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary feeling. You guys have all been there when, you know, the salesman really talked you into needing that, you know, whatever it was, the flat iron that they're selling at the mall or, you know, the knife set or this big shiny car. And even though something in your gut said no, after they talked to you enough and you drove it and, oh, I was made for this car and I look so good in it, suddenly you've signed away 60 or 72 months of your life and the next day you're like, what did I do? Don't make a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. I'm mad at you, so I'm going to use this now to spew so much hate and anger that we are never going to speak again. I've done that. I'm sure all of us have in some way or another. And what you do is you let these emotions control you instead of controlling them. And at the end of the day, it is so very destructive. And it doesn't have to be that way. We have to learn to process our boiling points in a way that reflects Christ. When we process our boiling point by reacting and spewing anger on whoever is in our midst, we have now made a permanent stamp on our character and Christian witness and possibly on the person who was on the receiving end of that rage. And I know not everyone in here is a parent, but I, I think a lot of these situations when I've actually done this have probably been that my kids were at the receiving end and I've said things that I saw hurt them and I knew I couldn't take it back. And it's not that God doesn't forgive you, and it's not that it's forever permanent, but it's a lot easier to maintain that relationship and that trust than to break it and then have to work so hard to get it back. We don't have to be controlled by our emotions. So this is what it looks like when we process our boiling points in a way that reflects Christ. First, it has to have the proper motivation. So that godly anger has to be godly anger. Just like we discussed earlier, what is your path? What got you there? 
Why did you reach this boiling point? Why do you feel this pressure? And if we're angry because we didn't get our way, then chances are we are not reflecting a Christ-like anger. I hate to tell you, but if you start, you know, looking at your trigger point and when you get to the root of it, you find out it's because I didn't get to be the most important person. I wasn't first. Chances are that's not a righteous anger. That's something that just really needs to be dealt with. But if we've reached our boiling point as a result of injustice, hypocrisy, deception, or manipulation in the body of Christ, or in those who are, are oppressed or less fortunate or can't speak for themselves, then I believe that that is a godly reason to get upset. That is a godly reason to be pushed to your boiling point. However, even if we have a righteous anger, we still have to act appropriately in our anger. There are two steps. First, we have to know what our motivation is. But second, we can't just go acting however we want just because we have a good reason. Just because the reason is legitimate, a godly reason to be angry or hurt, doesn't mean that we let our emotions take over. Jesus healed a man even when he was angry. He didn't get so mad at those Pharisees and Sadducees that he just exploded and walked away. In his anger, he still fulfilled the will of God. You and I, in our anger, can continue to walk out the good works that God has, not because we are able on our own, but because God has given his spirit to you. And when we lean on that spirit and we allow that spirit to do things through us, you will be amazed at how it doesn't matter that you've just always been that way. And suddenly your testimony and your witness will be, wow, they used to always be this way, but look, something is different. And you'll get to say, it is not me. You know how I am. That's God working in me. And God, the same God that does that in me, he can do it in you too. And this boiling point can then become an opportunity to bring glory and honor to God because people will see a difference. So in the same way, you and I have the ability to maintain our godly character and press into those good works through the Holy Spirit, even in our anger. And then as we learn to process these boiling points in our lives, we have to understand that our, ter- our temporary response has a permanent purpose. The decision that you make in that split sec- second when you're about to go over the edge and you can blow off the handle or you can answer with grace when you can leave the church or leave the marriage or quit your job or you can dig your heels in and say, you know what, this isn't pretty, but I'm not going to be part of destroying this if I can be part of the solution. That is a permanent purpose. And those are the things that really make all the difference. Each explosion has the power to affect the culture we live in to become a place of freedom and greater things for Christ or a place of hurt and destruction. And every single person sitting in this room today for Relevant Faith Church has the ability to add to this culture here and this church family with the way that you respond to those uncomfortable situations. The same water that softens potatoes boils eggs, right? You ever think about that? I don't want to eat a hard potato if I'm trying to get mashed potatoes, and I don't want to cut into an egg that's supposed to be boiled and find it all icky and full of yolk. Both effects are great for their specific situations. And in that same way, God has a purpose for every boiling point moment that we go through. And just as not two of us sitting in this room are the same, we don't come from, not two of us have the same families or the same lives, In the same way, God, who has made us each unique, also has a unique purpose and solution for every trial that we're going to face.
And he will not use the same process or have the same purpose for every situation. So here are two examples. If your heart is hard, like the egg, or like the potato, sorry. If your heart is hard, and you tend to be somebody who lashes out and is hard to be vulnerable with, and you're really hard to be around, then God may be using your situation because he needs to soften you. Maybe he's saying, you know what, the reason you're going through this trial is because you need to learn a little bit more compassion for the people that you're interacting with. The reason you're going through this trial is because what it really is about, it isn't about what they did, it's that you have your own insecurities, and because of those insecurities, you're putting unrealistic expectations on other people because it makes you feel good when they can't live up to the mark because you feel like you can't ever live up to the mark. And he wants to soften your heart. Or maybe... The, the thing that's causing you pressure in your life is because you have really thin skin. And I've got to tell you, this is something I've grown in a lot. I spent years and years where I just cared so much about what everybody thought. And if they said something, I, and I know I haven't reached it yet. My kids who are probably going to roll their eyes at me. But I tend to overthink things a little bit. And I just, I've got thin skin. And it's getting better. But God lets me go through these trials because he knows that I need to toughen up. A lot of us are praying, God, use me. God, what is your plan? God, you know, I've been praying for you to use me. Why are you making me go through this, God? And God's saying, I'm letting you go through that because the answer to your prayer where I'm going to use you, it's going to be awesome, but it's going to require you to toughen up a little bit because if you can't take this little situation, you're never going to make it through the next step. And so there's a purpose and a reason that we're going through these things. James encouraged the early Christians in James 1, 2 through 4, he said this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Your God loves you, and he is allowing you to go through trials because he doesn't want you to lack anything. I let my kids do things that sometimes I know I could do a lot faster and a lot better than they can because I want them to become mature. And our God, as much as we love our kids, as much as we love those who are important in our lives, he loves us so much more. And we've got to quit questioning everything and feeling like the world is falling apart or getting our feelings hurt all the time, ready to walk away. If we really want to enter into the full life that God has for us, we've got to trust him. And we've got to push through. And we've got to identify the path to these boiling points. We've got to learn to process them in a way that maintains integrity through Christ. And then we will start seeing that purpose that he had in it. We spoke with um, a family yesterday, and I'm just getting ready to wrap up here in a minute. So you can come on up if you want. Um, we spoke with a family yesterday that had, um, it's an older, well, not older, older, a little older than us. And they're from Africa. And the husband's sister had said, you know what, my, your, our dad is getting older, and I think you should come visit him. And the wife is also from Africa, and her family's there as well. And so they talked about it, and they said, yeah, we want to go. If, if they think it's important, we want to go. And so, I don't know, I've never been to Africa, but I don't think it's just jump on a plane and get there. Like, it's a little bit more than that. And so they wanted to get there at a certain time, but it seemed like everything was up against them. They, um, their daughter's schooling. You know, it wasn't going to be a good time. And then when they decided that they were going to go and they were about to set the date, then they found out that two of their passports were expired. And so they had to wait till the passports were renewed. And so they were so anxious to get there. And I know in the midst of that, they probably thought, 
you know, God, you know we want to be there. Why aren't you answering our prayer? Why aren't you opening our door and getting us there sooner? Getting us there in a timely way. But they finally did get there, and they went about three weeks later than they had intended to. And the day that they got there, the day that the plane got there, the wife's mom ended up having a stroke and her whole right side of her body being paralyzed. And because this unplanned trip had happened, and because they had to go three weeks later than they intended, they were there the entire time she was in the ICU. God knew. He knew that they needed to not be there three weeks earlier because if they'd gotten there when they were planning on going, they would have already been home. And it costs a lot to go to Africa, so chances are they weren't going to be able to go back. So even in the midst of this trial, when I'm sure that they felt the pressure of getting there, God had a purpose for them being there. And in the same way, He has a purpose for your trial, no matter what it is. Are you struggling with something today? I told you, I don't think that this message was just a random message. I, don't, I didn't just pull it out of one that I've had before. I really believe that God wants to get your attention. We have got to be equipped. We have got to quit giving Satan all of the weapons to keep us down. We've got to quit giving him all the excuses of why I get mad or why I keep leaving churches or why I keep not being able to hang on to relationships or why I can't fill in the blank. We've got to quit that. We've got to allow God to examine our hearts and not just on the surface, all the way down. And we've got to allow him to say, this is the reason you get your feelings hurt so easily. This is the reason that that makes you mad. And then we allow him to to show us how he wants us to process that. And when we do that, we're going to be able to embrace the purpose for good that he has. Do you feel like someone has turned up the heat and you're about to explode? And I guarantee there are many people in here who have felt that way. Maybe even this week, maybe even today, when you were coming in, you felt like, man, I just, if one more person says one more thing, God, I want you to know this. God is not punishing you. God is not punishing you. He is not mad at you. He has not abandoned you. He is not punishing you. He is giving you an opportunity to process your emotions and react differently. He's not punishing you. He's preparing you for the unique purpose that he has for you. And this trial, as much as we hate it, is part of the purpose. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7 says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. At the end of the day, every single day, it is all about Jesus. It is not about me and it's not about you. It is all about Jesus. And if every trial we have to go through is a trial to bring honor and glory to him, then we should go through it because he, without any reason, went to the cross for us and allowed us to experience life to the full. He deserves everything we have. And in the end, he will be revealed in us and through us and change will come. Allow God to open your eyes, look through his lens, and you will see that we are not called 
to be victims of our circumstances and emotions. We are called to be victors who have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring change to this culture and hope to a world that is lost and desperately needs some hope. We have that inside of us and we've got to learn to grasp it. As we embrace that truth and walk out the reality of who we are, our boiling points will result in an explosive power of God in our lives, in our homes, and in our churches, and we will see God's hand move in ways we never imagined that they could move.